Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We are working on memorizing some scripture. The passage that we're working on is found in 2 Peter chapter 1. We've worked on verses 3 through 9, and now we're working on verses 10 and 11. Let's quote or read these verses together. We will start with a reference, 2 Peter chapter 1, 10 and 11. Then we'll read the verses, and then we will finish with the reference. Always good to know where you can find something. You ever lose something and you wonder where you're going to find it? Well, we don't want to lose Scripture. So let's remind ourselves of where it's found. We'll remind ourselves at the beginning and at the end. Here we go. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 1, 10 and 11. Keep working on that passage of Scripture. Let me encourage you to hide it in your hearts and live it out through your lives. We're working on growing together. My growing leaf fell this morning. The tree started to shed. We've talked about growing, growing in grace, growing in knowledge. We've talked about growing in discernment. And this morning, we're going to again talk about growing in giving, recognizing that God has provided for us everything that pertains to life and godliness, and we are responsible to return to Him. Now, as we think about growing in giving, we must remember the four T's that are there. We talk about our time, we talk about our talents, we talk about our treasure, we talk about our testimony. Now this is a package deal. This is not someone who can say, well I put money in the plate this week and I don't have to do anything else for the Lord. It's not somebody who says, well I serve in the choir, I sing, and I don't have to worry about how I live out my testimony the rest of the time. This is a package deal. And our time and our talents and our treasure... And our testimony are all to be given to God. You remember the four principles of giving, do you not? God owns it all. God gives it all back to us. We can either increase or decrease its value depending upon our investment. And one day, one day we will be held accountable. We will have to give an account back to God. And frankly, that day may be today. Philippians is a thank you letter to the church. A church that did it right. A church that invested in Paul and his ministry. And a church that received fruit for that investment. Paul here is thanking the church for sending to him a gift. Are you in Philippians chapter 4? I want to start with verse 10, please. And you follow along in your copy of the scriptures. Philippians chapter 4 beginning with verse 10, and I will read down through verse 20. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity, not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Note that word, please, content. Verse 12, I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. 
In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied having, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The church understood what giving was all about. And they grew that giving in their lives and in their ministry. Now last week we talked about giving begins with contentment. So how do you be content? There are two keys to contentment. The first one is gratitude. We must understand and be thankful for that which God has given to us. And the second one is God's grace. God giving to us what we do not deserve. If we recognize gratitude and we recognize grace, then we can be content because we know that our God will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen? And Jesus said that our Heavenly Father knows what our need are is before we even ask. And so it is up to God to meet the needs of our lives. And he does that in so many special, special ways. Have you ever experienced God's meeting your need in your life? Amen all the time. That's exactly right. And if you haven't, look around and understand that our Heavenly Father wants to give good gifts unto his children. And in fact, the scripture says, if we as earthly parents know how to give good gifts unto our children, how much more our heavenly father will give good gifts unto them who love him. Giving begins with contentment. There's a second truth that we need to think about giving. Giving is a response of charity and love. Here in Philippians chapter 4, we read, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. The word for concern there is phaneo, and it has the idea of mental actions that are associated with a physical task. Have you ever talk to somebody and they reminded you of something that needed to be done husband wife parent child and you respond to them by saying well i was thinking about it how much credit do you get for thinking about it not much right thinking about it really doesn't count you have to put something into action and you have to get it done And that's what the word concerned here means. It means not only thinking about it, but getting it done. This is the same word that's used over in Philippians chapter 2. 
where Paul says, let this mind be in you, the word mind, mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought. And we are to follow that example in our lives. So as we think about a response of love, a response of concern, it's not only thinking about it, it is making it an active part of our lives. Now, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Aren't you thankful that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son? That God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated, God gave, and it is that love that God has for you and for me that sent his son to die for us so that you and I might have a personal relationship with you, with him through that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, somebody said that it is love that takes the stew out of stewardship. Think about that for a moment, will you please? Love takes the stew. You ever stew about anything? Love takes the stew out of stewardship. And we must recognize that if we are going to give and grow in our giving, then we need to have that kind of love. Now, what kind of love did these folks have? They had two kinds of love. First of all, they had love for the apostle. They had love for the apostle, and secondly, they had love for the Lord. Let's start with the love for the Lord since it's listed first, all right? Jesus said that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. All right? Now, that came from a question of an attorney. And the question was this, what is the greatest commandment? That's exactly right. And that's how Jesus responded. He summed up the first four commandments in this truth. If you'll love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, you don't have to worry about anything else. Now, what are the first four four commandments? Only one God. No graven images. Don't take his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And how do you live that out? You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And that's exactly what these folks had done. They recognized that the work of God was bigger than themselves. It was bigger than just being in Philippi. It was bigger than what Paul was doing in Macedonia. It was bigger than what Paul had done in Thessalonica. Those places are listed here. Because it was not about who they were. It was about what they could do with the resources God had given to them for the honor and glory of God. And it began with loving the Lord, their God, with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind. We understand that because Paul says in verse 18 that the gifts that they had given were a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then they had a love for the apostle. Paul had left Macedonia. He had gone to Thessalonica. 
And these folks had followed his ministry. And they indeed had taken the opportunity that God had given to them to invest in his ministry. Giving is a response of love. Giving is also an understanding that an offering involves sacrifice. An offering involves sacrifice. Did you pick that up in the last part of verse 18? A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable to God. If you look in the scriptures, the first time a sacrifice is mentioned is in Genesis chapter 4. And there we have a good illustration of a sacrifice and a bad illustration of sacrifice. It's the story of Cain and Abel. And the scripture says that each of these men, brothers as they were, brought what they thought would be acceptable to God. It was an offering that they were giving to God. Now, we understand as we read the text that what we do with our hands, the fruit of our hands, is not what God wants. God wants a blood sacrifice, and that's what Abel brought to God. As you read a little further in Genesis, you discover that Noah built an altar to the Lord. And he took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled it, it was a pleasing aroma to him. In Exodus chapter 29, the people of Israel offered a whole ram on the altar. And it was a pleasing aroma. It was a sacrifice, an upward focus to God. Now, as you think about an offering that involves sacrifice, you must understand that, first of all, it's a personal involvement. Keep your finger here in Philippians chapter 4 and turn back to Leviticus chapter 1. Will you please? Leviticus chapter 1. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 1. In Leviticus, the people are at Mount Sinai. The glory of God has just filled the temple, and God is instructing the people through Moses how to offer sacrifices of worship and what those look like. Let's begin with verse 3. Talking about sacrifices, talking about offerings. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Verse 6, then he shall fillet the burnt offering and cut it to pieces. Now, did you notice a personal pronoun in those verses? The pronoun he. That is talking about the individual that was making the offering. That is not about the priests. That is about the person bringing the offering to God. And what did it say? 
he shall offer, he shall bring, that he may be accepted, he shall lay his hand, he shall kill, he shall flay. It's pretty personal there, isn't it? You cannot offer an offering that involves sacrifice unless it gets personal. Every once in a while, I'll come up to somebody and I'll say, hey, is there anything I could do for you? And sometimes I get this response. Boy, you sure could give me a million dollars. I am so glad they asked for a million rather than ten bucks. Ten bucks I got in my pocket and I got to make a decision. Right? Now, I don't want all of you coming up to me after service. Because I'm not asking the question, all right? But so many times we we look at this offering, this sacrifice, and, and it's out there. And we say, I can't do that, so I'm not going to worry about it. And yet, do you have time? Do you have talents? Do you have some treasure? Do you have a testimony? And if we are going to grow and give, it's got to get personal to us. And we must understand that it's about me being accountable to God and nobody else. And one day I'm going to be accountable to God. So it's a personal involvement and it's a personal investment that you and I have to make. Now it's based off a principle in the Old Testament. And that principle is called the first fruits principle. In the Old Testament, God's people were to bring the first of what they received. It wasn't what was left over. It's not what I have at the end of what I'm trying to do and accomplish to please me. It's that God is honored in my life as a priority first. And everything else falls beyond that. You remember the first fruits? It's harvest. And whatever they took out of the field first was given to God. It perhaps started at the Day of Atonement in Egypt where each household was to take a a lamb, a yearling, the first of the flocks, and slay it and offer it to God. I'm amazed at how many of us Say we put God first in our lives, but don't live like we put God first in our lives. Hmm? You and I must understand that offering involves sacrifice, and it's first giving to God. 2 Corinthians tells us this. The point is, that's ESV. The point is, 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Verse 7, each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And what does God want from us? He wants our bodies, right? Beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants our praise. Hebrews chapter 13 talks about a sacrifice of praise. God wants us to lay up on the first day of the week that which he has given to us. That's his tithes and our love offerings. That's all about growing in giving. You say, well, pastor, that's not real practical today. Have too many other obligations, got too much going. I got time obligations. I got financial obligations. Everybody wants a piece of me. And you know, just just living life is just just too tough. Okay. Okay. But what does God say about that? I ran across an interesting quote. It will cost something to be an independent and free Christian in these days of religious intolerance and persecution. You know who said that? Roger Williams said that in 1644. Oh, really? Things haven't changed much, have they? You remember Roger Williams? He was a Reformed Baptist pastor, early proponent of religious freedom and separation of church and state. You see, if you and I are going to grow... In our giving, we must understand that giving begins with contentment. It's a response of love. And any offerings we bring, any, anything, we, it's going to be a sacrifice. If it's not a sacrifice, what good is it? What does it mean? In two weeks, we're going to finish up this message. Next week is Valentine's week, so we're going to talk about growing in love. I mean, how appropriate does that get, right? So, men, I'm putting you on notice. Next Sunday, Valentine's Day, get ready. Hallmark cards ought to be bought out by next Sunday. And then we'll finish this message in two weeks. But this is giving, isn't it? Hmm? Where he gave his body. Where he shed his blood. I mean, this is full commitment. Did you have ham and eggs this morning? I had sausage and eggs this morning. You know the difference between sausage and eggs to the pig and the chicken? To the chicken, it's an offering. To the pig, it's a sacrifice. 
This was a sacrifice. Where God's Son came into the world and gave His precious blood in payment for our sins.